When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Guys, this is the most important podcast that you will listen to this fantasy basketball preseason. We are talking about the art of team building. Let's go! Jordan's open. Chicago with the lead. Not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. LeBron James with no regard for human life. AD basketball. Back out to Allen. History quarter. Curry for three. Wow! Unbelievable. Making it rain in New York. We the North are now we the champions. Not the destination, it's the journey. I'm out. G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. And today we're doing a, uh, I want to say a new topic, but it's not really a new topic. It's what I talk about all the time on Fantasy Basketball, but I wanted to try and succinctly put um, the crux of building a fantasy team into one video and specifically talk about the aspect of fantasy basketball, which makes it the best fantasy sport in the game, in my opinion, and that is team building. Now, this um, podcast, this episode, this video will be primarily targeted towards category leagues because... That is where a lot of the nuance of fantasy basketball comes from. In a points leagues, there's less of that nuance involved because you're drafting players who you think are going to be the best point scorers, and that is the be-all and end-all. If they score more fantasy points, they are objectively the better fantasy basketball player. So um, if you're in a points leagues, um, great. Tune into a few of these other videos, but this one probably isn't for you because, again... You can talk about positions and things like that, risk, risk, reward, upside, downside. That's all good, and that's some things we have to talk about. But today we're diving into the the deeper end of team building when it comes to assembling a fantasy team in a category league, and what are we looking for in terms of building strengths, punting versus balanced, upsides, rankings, and all those kind of things. So I think this is going to be definitely very, very valuable to anyone who's doing a category leagues. If you watch or are new to fantasy basketball or are new to my channel and if you're consuming a lot of content at the moment there is a lot of um podcast hosts uh youtube people out there really smart people and i myself am guilty of this as well but a lot of the content you will see at the moment leading up to the fantasy basketball season is things like sleepers Bus, mock drafts, talking about rankings, top rankings, must draft players, do not draft players. And, and a lot of the time, we all hearken back to a player being worth 
this much because of their ranking or being valued here. You need to draft them at this spot. This player should be drafted before this player, so on and so forth. But a lot of the times, the nuance and the, um, uh, I guess, the, the, the small things gets lost in those discussions because fantasy basketball is not like fantasy football. It's not like AFL fantasy in in terms of not every player is going to be graded on the same scale depending on the team that you are building and the strengths that you are building, the, the access to statistics that you're going to have at different points in the draft. It's very, very... I think lazy. It, I mean, it is difficult as someone who does fantasy basketball content to, especially when you're talking to a, a, a larger audience with lots of different settings and different um, focuses to, to have like a broad stroke on a player's fantasy value. But it is, in my opinion, we, we can probably do a better job across the fantasy community in, in talking about a player's value than just simply always referring to their rankings or their nine category rankings, even minus one rankings is as much better as I think it is for head to head leagues, especially that doesn't, that still doesn't capture what it is exactly we're doing when we're talking about drafts, when we're talking about trades, uh, once the season starts as well, because there's so much more nuance to, to, to that. And in today's podcast, it's been a long intro, in today's podcast, we're going to go into a deep dive into how to actually get the best out of your fantasy drafts. Don't fall into the trap of drafting off a rankings list. They are great. They give you a general sense of the idea of a player's value. But as soon as you start taking different players and and doing things like punting or even going balanced, taking into account statistical scarcity, it changes. As soon as that first player comes off the board, um, things go very, very different and and it's different league to league. So we are going to get into it today. Um, sorry for the long intro there, but I think that it's very important to set the scenes of what we're talking about in today's podcast because I, I do believe out of all the videos and all the podcasts I'm going to put out to here today, if you are a little bit newer or, or sort of intermediate when it comes to fantasy basketball, this is going to be your ticket to become an average fantasy basketball player to becoming a really good fantasy basketball player. This is the, the thing that separates teams, in my opinion, especially on a head-to-head side. Um, and seeing how that is the most popular format of fantasy hoops, I think it's important that we, we spend a bit of time talking about this. So let's talk about the first topic on today's podcast. And I've covered this before, but not many people will watch the video that I did before. A lot more people are tuning in at this point. So we're going to go back after to rankings and talk about well, what are rankings? Why why do we ascribe this numerical value to players? And then as soon as someone takes someone ten spots ahead of where they ranked, we you know go oh that's terrible. We shouldn't we shouldn't be drafting there. Well, what are rankings? Are there different types of rankings? Do different types of rankings serve different purposes? And how much should we actually follow those types of things? So when we talk about a fantasy basketball ranking. If you are on a site like Yahoo, for example, um, I mean, that Fantrax is a bit weird. They've got this score thing. I don't exactly know what that is, but a, a site like Yahoo, sites like Fantasy, uh, Basketball Monster, um, any other site that has a, a ranking, the majority of the time, those rankings are referring to what we would call a nine-category ranking, which is how Fantasy Basketball started ages ago when it was predominantly a roto format. And what that does is it weights all of the nine categories equally. So if you are scoring 30 points per game, that is equal to getting 10 rebounds per game. That's equal to getting seven assists per game to one and a half steals per game to getting you know 1.3 blocks per game. Those things are all equal through Z scores. Now, 
I'm not going to go as in deep as I did in that video. If you want to go into it a little bit more, check that rankings video out. I would definitely very much recommend it. But in that nine setting ranking, nine, nine category rankings, it weights every category equally. So if you are trying to be the best in every single category, then those nine category rankings are going to be more or less, and again, if you listen to anything like uh, Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball, he has some issues with that, but more or less, it's going to be at least the most proven way to establish a fair value of a player if you are valuing every category equally. But the question is, especially in a head-to-head league, should you be valuing every category equally? And I say no, you should not be valuing every category weekly. The reason I, I think that that's the case, and there's a few reasons. Number one is if you're in a head-to-head league, to win, once you get to the playoffs, you've got to beat your opponent 5-4. So if I am super, super strong in five categories and you are decent across nine, then I'm in a really good spot to beat you, even though by a nine-category rankings, you are better and more spread out across the board. So I'm going to advance and you are going to lose. So it is important in a, in a head-to-head league to be very, very strong in... Um, as many categories as possible. And it is easier to do that when you are concentrating your resources on a smaller number of things. So that's where we get into things like punting and we'll discuss that a little bit more later. But if we take into example, and I used this example in the previous podcast, but if we take into example a player like Walker Kessler, let's talk about Walker Kessler. He is someone who has extreme strengths. He is someone, if we just look up on Basketball Monster, what his ranking was last season, just take into account nine category settings. In a nine category setting last season, he was the 57th ranked player. Now, he was extremely good in field goal percentage, blocks, he didn't turn the ball over much and had decent rebounds. So there's four categories where he's really, really good at. But he was terrible in points. He had no threes, no assists, no no steals, terrible uh, free throw percentage. So even though you are a 57th ranked player, if you came up to someone who was, let's have a look at someone else, like a, I'm I'm literally just thinking about this on the fly here, so I'm sorry if this goes terribly wrong. Um, If we go up against someone like a Kyle Kuzma, I'm looking at Kyle Kuzma here. He is someone who averaged, he was the 147th ranked player last season. Now, if we compare those two and put them head-to-head, you would think, okay, someone's ranked nearly 100 spots better than the other player, 90 spots better, that player should beat them. Well, no, you'd be wrong because Kyle Kuzma wins in points, he wins in threes, he wins in assists, he wins in steals, and he wins in free throw percentage, thus beating uh, the the, the Walker Kessler scenario 5-4. Now, this person dominates in four category in, in four categories. He dominates in, in uh, blocks, dominates in field goal percentage, dominates in turnovers. Uh, the rebounds are close, but still gets there in the end. But you don't get extra points for destroying your opponent in, um, more, in, in that category by more than the other opponent just beating you in these other categories. So if you just beat me in steals, if it's points to steals, the difference at the end of the day, it's still a win. So... Those rankings, and when we, we talk about weightings and things like that, Z scores, it always is very important to remember that, especially when we're talking about taking two teams and just going against each other for a sample size of a week, that is not always the best way to capture how valuable a player is. And 
that is just simply taking something at the surface out of nine category leagues. When we start to talk about head-to-head leagues and we talk about punting, things change up dramatically again. So if we talk about something that I like to discuss, and, and often I'm referring to this when I'm talking about my rankings and things like that, I'm talking about uh, minus one rankings. So for a nine category setting, I do think that Roto and nine cat, sorry, for Roto settings, I do think that a nine category rankings is still the most relevant in that format of the game. So if that's your jam and that's what you're playing, you should be ascribing to a nine category setting. If you're in an eight cat Roto settings, you look at eight cat rankings. In a head-to-head leagues, I don't actually think that 9-cat rankings serve us much purpose at all. I think it's extremely misleading because, again, you're looking at players valuing all categories equally where when we start drafting and constructing our team, that is just not what happens. For example, Giannis is going in the top 12 picks. He was outside the top 100 last season. Obviously, people are not paying attention to that, so that's good. But if we were doing that and we were ascribing equal value to all things, then he would be obviously someone that was terrible because across all nine categories, he had one category that dragged his value down an extremely far away. But obviously, we have the ability to punt that category and he's strong in a lot of other things. So when we talk about head-to-head leagues, what I like to do is use minus one rankings. And if you are a member over at ballboysmba.com and you have access to my projections as a platinum platinum member, that is one of the features that you guys can have a look at. Now, if you haven't heard of minus one rankings, minus one rankings is those nine category settings that we talked about before, but we are eliminating the player's worst category and we are tuning down turnovers to a 25% weighting. So of... The, well, I should say of the eight categories, you're eliminating their worst, and then you're also then adding on 25% weighting of turnovers. So for example, someone, again, if I'm just using my own projections here, um, I have Giannis, who is projected to be uh, the 14th ranked player in minus one setting. And in a nine category setting, he's projected to be the 51st ranked player. Now, obviously, he is not going to last to 51. Um, and in a head-to-head league, he's probably still going further or more or, or higher, I should say, than 14. So we also need to differentiate what a minus one ranking is compared to a punt ranking. So again, if you go on a site, and um, and we might actually do this later, but if we go on a site like Basketball Monster and we punt... The, field goal, uh, the free throw percentage, if I'm looking at him over on last year's stats, if I punt the free throw percentage, Giannis comes all the way up to the ninth ranked player. Now, again, does that mean that we draft him at nine? No, because there are other punt strategies that you could use, and there are other ones that might elevate different players to a higher standard than what punts, punting free throw percentage increases Giannis to. So that's why I think that the minus one setting is the most valuable use of a rankings, especially for the top part of the draft. Because again, when you're trying to get your building blocks in the first one to three rounds, you want to be getting the players who give you the best value and build on their best strengths. So for example, someone like a Trey Young, in a minus one setting, he is considerably higher than his nine category league setting because you you punt the uh, the blocks that he doesn't give you any of. The turnovers I've weighted down, again, uh, probably don't have time to go into why we don't want to value turnovers too highly. And he shoots up to basically nearly a first round player. In a nine category rankings, and I guarantee you, during the season, um, you know, Trey's going to be ranked 40th or something like that. And in my rankings, I've got him sitting there at 13. And someone's going to go, this idiot had him at 13 and he's ranked outside the top 50 or top 40. But 
I think if we if we talk about that, and if that's going to be your argument, I do believe you're missing the point and you're missing the nuance that is fantasy basketball because there are so much more value and so much more um, you know shades of gray in terms of valuing a player than simply their nine category rankings. Because if you and I've heard. Um, Josh talked about this before on his podcast. If you draft off a rankings list, you will lose. There is much more nuance to that, and that is what this podcast is all about. So just so we talk about the rankings, I'm going to go, if you want to go into a deeper dive, I've done a a full 30-minute video on those rankings, so go and check that one out. I would definitely highly recommend it. But when it comes to me specifying my rankings, most of the time I will be referencing minus one rankings. Again, even that though is flawed. We really want to be talking about what a player actually does. What are they doing? Are they getting points? Are they getting assists, steals, blocks? Like what are their strengths? Because that's where you get a better idea of like how can this player benefit my team rather than, oh, he's the 20th ranked player on this, you know, nebulous ranking system that we've assigned to... Um, to talk about, you know, how successful my team is. So let's talk about punting versus going balanced. So there is arguments to doing both, and I think that you can be successful doing both. I personally um, punt a lot in fantasy basketball. I find it, for me, easier to concentrate on a few categories, usually six to seven categories is where I like to concentrate my efforts on, rather than going for a full nine and being spread out across the board. And even people who balance their teams, a lot of the times, by the time you get to the playoffs, you are picking and choosing matchups that are close in um, your head-to-head matchup with your opponent. And you are concentrating your efforts on getting those categories up stronger and ignoring the ones that are either you're dominating in or the ones that uh, you just have no chance in winning in. So in that situation, you're almost punting in a smaller sample size type format. So punting from the draft is me just kind of getting a head start on that and just having a more clearer identity for my team so that I know exactly what I'm targeting. And that just, for me, makes it a bit easier. So both methods can be successful. In my opinion, if everyone in your team, in your league, is going super, super heavy and punting a lot of categories, then a balanced approach probably has more uh, appeal. It has more um, merit to it because if you come up with a up against a different team that has insane strengths every single week, you might be able to have yourself spread out across enough that you're going to be at least competitive in one or two categories. And then obviously, if they're punting hard on a few categories, you're going to win those categories by default because they're quite poor in them. So on the flip side, if everyone's trying to go balanced and you are punting quite hardly, then you are probably in a better advantage as well because you're going to have all these insane strengths while everyone's trying to conserve their percentages and turnovers and all these sort of things, but you've just gone hard at, at you know five or six or seven categories. You're going to be in a really strong position there. So the biggest question though that comes up, and this is what we're going to spend a lot of time on, is when do I punt a category? When do I choose to punt a category? And when is it worth still trying to save it? And when we're going into our drafts, how does that process and that thought process look like? The biggest thing that I would point to, and we've, we've done a, a, a discussion about that, is categorical scarcity or statistical scarcity. And I think that this topic is probably one of the most important and yet probably the most underrated discussion points that we talk about when it comes to fantasy basketball. In my opinion, and I've got a list on the on the board here for those watching on YouTube, there are more important categories to factor in early in a draft, and this leads me to um, consider which categories I'm punting 
earlier versus which ones I can catch up later, even if I'm not looking very strong in those categories. So if I go through the list here of categorical scarcity, I think the most scarce category, and I did a show about this um, based on my projections, is free throw percentage. Free throw percentage, and you, you can say that there's good free throw percentages late. Yes, you are correct, but there are not great free throw percentages late that get there six or seven times a game. That is the biggest thing when it comes to free throws. The volume of good free throw percentage shooters is incredibly hard to find outside the top 25, 30 picks. There are some, you know, players like DeMar DeRozan, someone like a Benedict Matherin, even late in the draft, is a good example. There are some, but by and large and by the most um, average aspect, it is the hardest category to find in big volumes because all those big players go early. Trey Young, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Shea Gildas-Alexander, um, all of these other players that put up really big numbers, Kevin Durant. Um, if I continue to look at players who are giving me the biggest value here, uh, Jordan Poole, Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, Larry Markinen, Devin Booker, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard. I'm literally just reading down the the, big, the biggest free throw percentage boosted players in the NBA, and all of these players are going inside the top two or three rounds. So if you are getting to the third round and your free throw percentage is looking subpar, I don't think that is something that you can catch up. So therefore, I'm very quick to punt that category if in the first one to two rounds, I'm not looking at least competitive or up the top half of the league. I'm happy to punt that category because it's very difficult for me to um, target players that boost that up after that. The next two are probably pretty similar in points and assists. A lot of points go off the board early. The best players in fantasy basketball score points. They score a lot of points. Again, with similar names. So Embiid, um, uh, Luka Doncic, Shea, Jason Tatum, Steph Curry, uh, Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Kyrie Irving, Giannis. All these guys score lots of points. So... Again, they go off the board quickly. There are players that score points late, but often the fact that they, um, they're, they're going late means that they're terrible in other things. So someone like, uh, in the past, RJ Barrett, um, someone like uh, Jalen Green, don't do anything else to help you really. They are there, but again, you're looking at very specific examples, and again, you're sacrificing a lot with those players. So points are, again, probably the second highest things to uh, consider in terms of scarcity. Assists are the same things. Field goal percentage, there's a bit of a gap. So those top three, if you are average to below average after your first three rounds of those uh, categories, I think you lean into the punt straight away because, again, it's just so much harder to catch up in that category um, than these last sort of five or six categories here because it, they're just so much more difficult to find later. And if you do find them, you're t- often taking a lot of hits in other categories to do so, thus making your team worse. So you might as well have just punted it, concentrate on those other categories. So that's, in my opinion, a good way to, again, broadly just speak about it. Field goal percentage blocks and rebounds, they're your big man stats. Um, I think they're all relatively similarly um, associated to in, in terms of when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Of scarcity. Field goal percentage is probably the hardest because, again, just the volume of field goal percentage. So the players who get to the, um, you know, score a lot and do it efficiently go early. So, again, you're talking players like Giannis, you're talking players like Jokic, um, you know, LeBron James, Bam Adebayo, Sabonis, um, players like. Yeah, all, all those kind of guys that go up there and Anthony Davis, um, these players get a lot of points and they also do it very efficiently. So their field goal percentage boost is higher. You do still are able to find high field goal percentage guys later. So someone, I know it's not super late, but Walker Kessler, um, Mitchell Robinson. But again, Mitchell Robinson's shooting, what, like three shots a game? Yes, he does it on 70%, but it's not going to help you as much of those as those other guys early in the draft. So you can find it, but compared to rebounds and, and blocks, it is probably the harder one. Blocks, again, it's already a category that's um, concentrated in just a few players anyway. But you still, especially this season, can find it a little bit later. Rebounds, you can find quite late. And then the last two steals and threes, these ones are always ones that you can find in bunches off the waiver wire at the end of drafts. Uh, some of the best players in the league and steals go outside the top 100 in someone like Herb Jones, for example. Um, you know, you're not getting someone who's averaging 30 points that you're grabbing at the end of the, uh, you know, the end of the draft. That's just not happening. Uh, but you can get someone who's basically the lead leaguer in steals outside the top 100. That is possible. So often those categories are the last ones for me to say, if you weren't planning on it already, punting, if you wanted to save or make up for it, you can do that, in my opinion, with those categories. So I hope that helps answer the question of when do I know when to punt something and when do I know to save something um, and, and in that, that case. The other thing when it, we talk about categorical scarcity is when you're doing a draft, if I'm going to get someone and maybe they are quote-unquote ranked worse than another player, but they give me a boost in those categories that are harder to find later, I'm going to value that player higher than someone who is quote-unquote ranked better than them. Um, so again, this is again another example of someone like a Walker Kessler. I'm going to keep going back to the Walker Kessler scenario because I think this is an important point to, point, um, to go home with. So Walker Kessler is terrible in basically those top three categories there. So free throw percentage, points, and assists. He's terrible in all three of those, but he's really good in the middle three in field goal percentage blocks and rebounds. So if he comes out, and again, I'll I'll reference my projected uh, rankings for him. So Walker Kessler, I have projected at... Where is he? Walker Kessler... I should have this organized. So I have him projected at 41st in minus one and 40th in nine cat ranking. Now, I don't think I would ever draft him inside the top 40, inside the top 50 even, because his strengths, I can find those, maybe not to the degree of what he does, but I can find those later. What I cannot find, and this is again why I'm pretty high on a Jordan Poole, who again, if I look at a nine category setting, I have him ranked at 39th, so literally one spot difference to a Walker Kessler. And again, we're talking in a, in a vacuum here, but 
Uh, what Jordan Poole does is he is excellent in free throw percentage. He's excellent in scoring. He gets me decent assists. So again, top three, harder to find. His weaknesses, field goal percentage, blocks, rebounds, and steals, they're easier to find. So even though in a nine-category setting, I've got projected one at 39, Jordan Poole. Um, I've got Walker Kessler projected at 40. In my opinion, I just see them worlds apart because what I, I can't replace what Jordan Poole does later in the draft, whereas I can, to a degree, replace what Walker Kessler does. So I hope that makes sense. Now, obviously, we're talking in two extreme examples. So in your build, and this is where we're talking about punting, in your build, if you're punting three, uh, free throw percentage and you're punting threes, well, then obviously Jordan Poole is going to be way less valuable to you than someone like a Walker Kessler. But even in that build, if I'm punting something like free throws and threes, again, if we look over and um, and we might just do this right now. Um, in fact, let's have a look at it. It's going to take me a bit of time to set this up. But if we have a look at Basketball Monster... I'm going to bring this up now. All right. We'll get over to Basketball Monster. If we have a look at... Okay, we're in the projected player rankings. And I've done this before, but I'll do this one again. And I am going to go with that example that we just talked about, which was punting free throws and threes, which is a very common strategy. Say you want to draft Giannis. You go, oh, yeah, his worst, in, his worst category is free throws. I'm going to punt that. Excellent. That's all good. Giannis, he's up there at number nine last season. And I'm going to punt threes because those are his two worst categories. All right, cool. I've drafted Giannis at pick one. Great. Or in the first round, I should say. He's the sixth ranked player. The next player that I might grab, I might my eyes might light up and I see Nicholas Claxton here at the third ranked player. Awesome. He gives me excellent rebounds. He gives me great blocks, good field goal percentage. The steals are okay. Turnovers are low. Awesome. I'm going to grab me some Nick Claxton. Who's the next best player in this in this rankings that I might have access to? Oh, Rudy Gobert or Mitchell Robinson. Well, I can grab Rudy Gobert. He's a top 12 player. So in my build, I've got three players inside the first round in my punt rankings. Amazing. I'm looking so good. I'm going to get another guy. I'm going to get uh, Clint Capella. Then I'm going to get Jarrett Allen. I've got five players who are inside the top 14 picks in my punt build. But what have I got? I've got such a high field goal percentage. My rebounds are just out of this world. My blocks are awesome. But I've got no assists. I've got no steals. I've got no scoring. Um, So again, I am ranking really well. I am getting some players that are ranked well. But the team construction is... Is, is terrible because I'm going to come up against someone and I'm going to, I'm going to dominate four categories. I'm going to absolutely blow them away in four categories, but I'm not going to be able to get that fifth category win um, because my team just isn't strong enough to get that with things like assists, steals, um, points, if that's the case. So what I always recommend, and you can play around with this, what I always recommend is even when you start doing a punt build, you're valuing things like that, you might go in and play around with the weightings here. So I know that when I punt free throw percentage, my rebounds, blocks, and field goal percentage are going to be super, super strong. So in this build, to get a fair evaluation of what I'm actually looking for is I will actually come in here and I will downweight these categories because I actually don't even need to worry about it because a lot of these categories will just all, all like basically take care of themselves. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in, I'm going to weight up the categories that are going to be the ones that um, 
and what I would also do is normally punt turnovers. Um, they're going to be the ones that are going to be the difference between me winning or losing the week because I'm going to dominate a lot of these teams in these categories because naturally that's what happens when I punt these categories. So if I come down here, now this is a more fair reflection of the players that I should be targeting. So you will still see Giannis at the top there, number seven in this build, but you'll see someone like a Tyrese Halliburton. Now you wouldn't typically see, think of Tyrese Halliburton as a punt threes and free throw percentage guy because you know he, he's a great free throw percentage shooter. He gets me a lot of threes, but what he also does is he gets me uh, an insane amount of steals. His steals, uh, sorry, steals are big. His assists are probably the best in the NBA. He is still someone who's a decent field goal percentage, so I still care about it. I still want to be elite in it. Um, and in this build, I can make up for the, his, the fact that he's going to be a, a shit rebounder. Where is he? I'm, I'm off track here. He's going to be a shit rebounder, but if I pair him with some of these other guys later, like maybe I get us a bonus in the second round who's going to lead the NBA in rebounds, well, then I'm off to a great start. My assists are looking awesome. My field goal percentage is elite. Um, and then I'm always able to get these sort of block guys later. So... That's a way that I think you should be using tools like this. If you've ever used Basketball Monster or other, um, you know, draft trackers that weight categories in, in certain ways, because it's always important about getting a team that makes sense and not just drafting the players that rank the best. You could have, you know, 10 players ranked higher than me on your team. And I still, if I've built my team correctly, I still will beat you because I have attacked the weaknesses of your team. I've built up the strengths on my side. And in a nine-cat ranking sitting, I I look poorly. And a lot of people will, you know, and we talk about this. I'm going to go through my 10 busts and 10 sleepers and things like that. That's all well and good to ascribe a general point of view of value. But it's all about what can a player do for you um, how is it? How important is it to get what they provide at that point in the draft for your team? Can you do it later? Can you do it with someone who also provides other things that you might look for? That's the kind of thing that you need to be looking for in your draft, I think. So I hope that all made sense. Let's move on to the next topic for this one here. And that is stat correlations. So... This kind of goes hand in hand with things like uh, punting. But if we talk about stats that correlate, we also get a better idea of what to punt. We also get a better idea of if there's someone who does things that don't normally correlate together, then maybe we need to boost them up a little bit in our evaluation because it's a, it's some, it's a rare, unique combination. You're not going to be able to find that very readily in your draft. So if we talk about things such as Again, strong positive correlations, rebounds and blocks, field goal percentage and rebounds, assists and steals. A lot of those things you kind of find in the same types of players. So all the guards that get you good assists and steals, they're, they're quite common. Rebounds and field goal percentage, you're big guys. So, you know, someone like a DeMontis Sabonis, someone like a Rudy Gobert, you know, rebounds and blocks. The best shot blockers in the NBA are often big guys and they, they're big. They get rebounds. So those things go well together. Makes sense. Negative correlations. Points and assists and turnovers. So if you're getting someone who scores a lot and gets a lot of assists, they are also turning the ball over a lot because they've got the ball in their hands a lot of the time, which is a big reason why a lot of people don't like using turnovers as a, um, as a, as a stat. Threes and field goal percentage. So if you're shooting a lot of threes, chances are your overall field goal percentage is going to be low, even if you are a really, really good three-point uh, three shooter. They're just inherently less accurate than 
dunking the basketball. Um, so that is going to be negative correlate and points and blocks. If you go ahead and you look at the best shot blockers in the NBA last year, you're going to see a lot of players that don't score a lot of points. If I look at last year, if I read you the top players who block shots, we've got Walker Kessler, Miles Turner, Jaron Jackson Jr., Victor, uh, sorry, no, that's, those are my projections. <laughs> I'm looking at the rankings here. Uh, da, 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 da. If I look at the shot blockers, yeah. So we've got Jaron Jackson Jr., Nicholas Claxton, Brooke Lopez, Walker Kessler, Miles Turner, Anthony Davis, Mitchell Robinson, Joel Embiid. If I look at this list of the top, of all the players who blocked basically one and a half shots per game, we would say, or, or let's say 1.2 shots per game, there is one, two, three players that average more than 20 points. That was Anthony Davis, Chris Stamps, Porzingis, and Joel Embiid. Every other player that blocked more than 1.2 shots per game averaged less than 20 points. Um, so that is a rare combination to find. So when we talk about combinations and, and things that correlate, if you find something that bucks that trend, because there's always exceptions. So if you look at players like Joel Embiid, who's scoring 33 points per game and averaging 1.7 blocks, and he's also getting elite rebounds and, and elite uh, free throw percentage, that is extremely unique, right? So I would be valuing that quite highly. Now, he's obviously the number two ranked player in a lot of sites. But um, if we look at someone like a Jaron Jackson Jr., now I know there's been a lot of discussion about like is those are those blocks ref- reflective of his actual value but what is important is the fact that he's someone that doesn't tank your free throw percentage he scores points and he hits threes as a big man now he doesn't get a lot of rebounds but that might be something you can do in terms of punting um so it is important to sort of identify those players that buck those trends a little bit and i think that that's an important thing to identify so you can maybe just boost them up your rankings a little bit if they provide exactly what you're looking for and what your team needs um so i hope that all makes sense there as well because I, I think the other day I, I was doing a video we were talking about Scotty Barnes and I was talking about him um, you know where where I think you should be going and, and again I, I fall into this trap a lot because it's easy it's convenient when we're making podcasts and videos to talk about players value I was talking about him being someone in a minus one ranking something that I'd be hoping for him to get top 70 ish top 60 ish as his ceiling but I'd like to be getting him later but in a 30 deep league um scenario, I drafted him at 61 because I was in a punt threes build. I was looking for someone who could score and get me assists, but also someone who could give me decent rebounds, steals, and blocks. And Scotty Barnes, of the options that I had available, I was deciding between him, Paolo Boncaro, and Jar Morant. Now, I opted not to go to Jar Morant because he's suspended 25 games and in a 30-team league when he's my third player picked, that would be terrible. But these other two guys... In a nine-category setting, they're going to be nowhere near that spot, and I recognize that. And you might look at that and go, you drafted him at 61, and he was ranked 85th. That's a, that's a bad pick. But if he gives me 19 points and six assists and a steal and a block and six rebounds and 49% from the field, well, that's, that's perfect. That's what I want. He won't give me any threes. He's not going to shoot well from the free-throw line. He's going to turn the ball over. That's, that's fine but he gives me what I want at that point. So his value to my team is greater than what you would ascribe a 
uh, minus one ranking or a nine category ranking because he wasn't the highest ranked player on my board, even according to my projections. Um, if we talk about, I was on Josh Lloyd's podcast the other day, we were talking about Sabonis versus uh, Evan Mobley and people laugh, you know, like I, I, you know, and it was amped up a little bit. I said I'd take Evan Mobley over Sabonis and in my projections, I have Evan Mobley in a minus one setting. I've got him projected at 24 and I've got Sabonis projected at 27. The important thing to understand is how do they get there? How are they getting those numbers? Now, Mobley is obviously someone who's going to block more shots. I think he's also going to get more steals and score more. But Sabonis is going to get more assists. He's probably going to get. He's definitely going to get more rebounds. He's probably going to do it more efficiently. So you're comparing apples to oranges, and it just depends on what you're looking for as to what is the better pick. Do you are you going to punting assists because then? you're not drafting Sabonis ahead of someone like an Evan Mobley. If you're punting blocks, you're not going to be drafting Evan Mobley ahead of a Sabonis. It just doesn't make sense. So to to tie this all in a nice little bow, we also we always want to talk about in what situation are we talking about players, in what situation are we valuing players for our team versus the overall 200, 300, 400 players in the NBA because those things can be wildly different based on punt builds, based on league size, based on uh, settings, based on um, the people you're going up against, how good are your other team managers and things like that. Those things all have X factors into what we're talking about with how players are ranked. The last thing we'll talk about here is, again, using this team building, the art of team building on players that you would consider risky that have high upsides. Because again, we can talk about someone, Let's and, and the example I'm going to use today is someone like a Zion Williamson. And you'll hear a lot of podcasts talk about, oh, well, Zion Williamson has top 20 upside, top 25 upside, or whatever that is. But what does that actually mean? Because Zion is not going to come out here and all of a sudden just start hitting three threes a game. He's not going to come out here and start all of a sudden shooting 89% from the free throw line and dominating from that category. No, he's he is... I mean, and these things rarely happen, but it's irresponsible to project that. But if he comes out and he dominates, he's going to do it by scoring a lot. He's going to do it by getting an enormous field goal percentage. He may rebound a bit more and get some assists and maybe the defensive stats come. But if you're, for example, punting field goal percentage and you get to a point where it's the 80th pick and or, or, or the 100th pick, there might be... In a vacuum, you might say, okay, well, Zion, is he's got insane upside at this point. You'd have to take him because if he hits, he's going to be a top 30 player. But in your build, if you're punting field goal percentage and you're really looking after your free throw percentage, that's a key category for you. Well, then Zion's going to completely change what your team is. And it, it, it might hurt you more than it actually helps you. So to take on that risk of him not playing just doesn't make sense for your team. But in a different team, if I'm punting free throw percentage in threes, and maybe I actually can utilize this field goal percentage, and he's sitting there at 70 or 60, and he's the perfect guy. I really need scoring. I really need someone, a forward that can give me five assists per game. Um, well, Zion might be perfect. He might be the guy that for your team makes a lot of sense and could be the winning pick for you. But on a different team, the the risk there's no there's no gain for the level of risk that you're putting in there. So I just wanted to clarify that with a lot of those risky players. 
it is important to hunt for upside, especially the further out you get to your draft. But upside is subjective. Upside depends on what what kind of upside are you looking for? Like, for example, last year, Larry Markkinen was someone that ranked incredibly well. But if you were punting points and threes, well, Larry Markkinen being the top 25 player breakout that he was doesn't really affect you. Like, he's not going to come in and give you issues with your assists or steals or blocks that you're trying to win every week. Like, that doesn't matter. You, you want them to put Larry Markin out there because you know you're going to lose in points and threes. So who cares? Who cares if Larry Markin is popping off for 50 points um, and getting to the line 10 times a game, shooting 90%? Like, you don't care. You're going to lose that category anyway. What you do care about is maybe you've, you've gone in and drafted the players that give you good assists and steals and blocks, and he doesn't do that. So still understand what stats each player gives you. Understand that they're, where could someone get better? Where could someone improve? And that's going to be the biggest indicator of, okay, at what point is the risk worth the reward for my team? And then you're going to have a better understanding or a better knowledge of the kind of uh, risks that you're taking. And in in more cases than not, I think it's going to pay off um, more often. All that being said, that will do it for today's podcast, guys. I hope that made sense. I've, I've been trying to wrap my brain around like trying to get that type of information into a podcast. I do think it's very difficult to um, discuss in a coherent and concise way, but I hope a lot of that makes sense. And I hope that when we get into the season and we see all these rankings flying around and so-and-so is ranked here and, oh, should I trade this guy for this guy? And it's it's so much more complicated than that. And I, I will try my best to give you the best advice that I can, but it is very difficult without knowing every single factor in your league um, to give the most educated advice advice in that way. So take what I say with a grain of salt when we talk about rankings and value. Take what other people say with a grain of salt with value, values and rankings and always come back to your team and what they're doing from a, a night-to-night stats. Are they putting up good points, rebounds, assists? Are they putting up steals and blocks? Do you care about those things? That should always be the thing that you come back to. And I hope that that is the key message from this podcast. If you haven't learned anything, that is the key message. So let me know if you have any thoughts, any questions down in the comments below. I will try to get to as many of them as possible. On the back of this, what we'll be doing is going and doing one of the uh, uh, most requested podcasts is the first and second round pairings, which begins um, what we talk about with our team building. So stay tuned for that one. And make sure if you haven't already, go and check out the top 25 most interesting fantasy basketball players series. We are counting down to number one at the start of the season. Uh, But until then, I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.